Jack Dickens, welcome to the Wolf Den. It's a pleasure. Excited <laughs> to be here. Wonderful. Um, yeah. You lobbed with your golf bag and your golf clubs over your shoulder. Yeah, it's been a busy uh, three days in Sydney and uh, heading home after this important uh, meeting with you guys. Excellent. Very impressed with the setup. It is Pretty all good. typed up to be. Awesome. And you said that you, you miss your little kids and you can't wait to get home, but... The good thing is that you're, they'll be asleep, so you can just give them that little touch, that little piece yeah. of human contact, and then you get to. Get I'm, I'm growing up, you know. So yeah. like two nights now is about all I need away from home. How good's that? But yeah, he will be asleep when I get home, which which will be a positive. You yeah. know, he'd be hard to sort of calm down if I got home. Near so you'd be, you'd be strengthened and rested when you got to take him on tomorrow morning. Yeah, he he. I rise early anyway. I was yeah. a tradie before I did this stuff. Yeah. Um. So I get up four five o'clock. Six o'clock if I don't have an alarm. Um, but well, that's he, early. But he's cool. <laughs> he wasn't a tradie. He's only four, but um, he likes to get up by six. And what you were in Sydney, but you end up in Melbourne. How did that happen? I um, I was a I have adult ADHD, which is relevant probably to everything. Mm-hmm. So I struggled to like see anything through. Was an awful student. Mm-hmm. Really struggled at school. Um, eventually, took me a long time and got a trade, and I was a chippy. With a builder's qualification, but not a builder, and I was an average carpenter, um, like decks, probably where I was, mm-hmm. my ceiling was. Um, and then in 2016, when the Swans were robbed in the AFL Grand Final, it's the lowest free kick in the history of AFL Grand Finals. It was a disgrace. Um, a bunch of us from Sydney are all AFL, like sort of number one sport. I love all yep. sports pretty much, but we all went down for a big, big weekend and. Um, on the Sunday night, I met Ems. Yeah. All oh, right. Wow. So a few months later, I don't know, five, six, whatever, um, moved down to Melbourne. Yeah. And so um, moved for which a is a great tip for anyone, and you would agree with this. Mm. You never, if you meet someone from a different state or city, you never go, you never bring them to you. You got to mm. go to them and live in their world, mm. so you can run your own life off their world. If you yeah. take them to yours, they've lost their, all you. their stuff, yeah. and you've got to entertain Pressure's all the time. Can't go for a beer with the boys. Yeah. You, if you're in their city, you can go and make some new friends. You've got to be a strong personality, which you are. To, to yeah. A lot of people don't have that mm. in them, which is understandable. But yeah, so I, I moved to Melbourne then and um, kind of had to throw in – had to go back to being on the tools properly. Like I was sort of organising a job, say. Yeah. Um, and hated it. So then really had a, a good go at punting. Mm. And in hindsight, I just got lucky. It's had a great start mm-hmm. and got away with it and I've been, you know, getting away with it ever since, really. Mm. Mm. And now we have two kids, bought a house. The bloodstock business is predominantly Melbourne-based also because it's another story but it's pretty tough to get to do them in Sydney. Yep. Um, Why? Because there's more money here and it's bigger, deeper market? Well, this is like what we talked about at the start. Um, no, I'm, I was not allowed to syndicate horses in New South Wales. Yep. What? Why? I think it's to do with my bookmaking license. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like I'm the most regular. I'm as regulated as anyone. You know everything I do, they see. Yeah. Um, but they didn't want me to syndicate horses here, so I, I can send a horse to a Sydney trainer if I wanted to, but I'd have to sort of syndicate it without a trainer, or take it off a Melbourne trainer. And send here. I can syndicate ho- horses in Queensland and um, Victoria, but at this stage, not in not in New South Wales, which is really only to the detriment of 
guys like, say, a Bjorn Baker or a Joe Pride who I'd want to send a horse to, particularly yeah. Joe Pride, say. And it's purely because you're a licensed bookie, is that right? I haven't if got you... that clarified, but it's yeah. it's favourite. Yeah. Um, but I can have a horse with, like, Kieran or Annabelle or Gay because they've got a satellite stable. Mm. So it really only hurts the guys who are only out of Sydney. Mm. So the baggy bet brand or the mailbag brand, the strings to its bow, you've got bloodstock, bookmaking, yep. punting or tips, so call yep. it tips. Then you've got content a little bit too. Yep. Would that, is that about CDL? Yeah. So the, the evolution of it is mailbag, mailbag content to support selling tips. Mm-hmm. Um, the content sort of evolved um, into its own thing. You know, we were pretty good at content there for a period where it was pretty, there wasn't as much as there is now. Yeah. Um, and the bloodstock was just like, a, it's a, it is a passion. It's not a like a good business. Right. Um, it's not a losing business, but it's not, mm. you're not in it to make money. Um, and then the, the blood store, the, the bookmaking evolved on, there was the last thing I've done and um, it just sort of come about. I, I had no ambition to do it, mm. no plan to do it. Um, so do you consider yourself a punter or a bookie at your core? To be completely honest, right now, I, I don't really know. Yeah. I'm sort of in no man's land half the time. Mm. Um, it's not bookmaking as like, you know, you guys have great guests on and mm. you hear stories. It's not like that now. No, no. So I'm not like, I can't have an opinion that dictates what I hold necessarily as a bookie. Yes. So it's just about figuring out our spot and where I sit and then going from there. I'm having, I'm still bet, yeah. but they're rare yeah. proper bets compared to what they were. Mm. Um, but it'll evolve. Like my life is changing every sort of month at the moment. And is the whole whole thing going okay? Like, yeah, it's going good. Yeah, like completely blessed, grateful to be like where we are. Yeah, um, but it's still like it's scary at the same time. But nothing good's. Yeah, like if you want to do anything in life, anything at all, and you're not like su- suffering from a little bit of self doubt and anxiety, can yeah. you tell me what it is? Yeah, <laughs> do you sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and be like, "Fuck!" Like I used to a lot more. Yeah. I've, I've yeah. come to grips with everything. Like I do that a little bit. Like if I've got, you know, I've got a really big day of content or something, and I'm like waking up in the middle of the night, like you know, get a bit anxious about it all. But I've learned to teach myself that what you think in the night is no in no way relevant to what you feel or think during the day. I've always I, had it because I've got the ADHD, ADHD. Mm. so I can just get anxiety like about anything. Yeah, but I'll just if I wake up in the middle of the night, I'll just get my notes out and I'll just nail it all down. Yeah, and then I've got it there. I've dealt with it. Yeah, I'll go back to sleep because nice. if I miss sleep, <laughs> no good. Yeah, like real bad. I'm a big sleeper. Yeah, I'm I not a long sleep. sleeper, but I need I need the sleep. Yeah. So one thing I want, I'm interested in your opinion is I don't know how closely you followed it, but the, the stuff that happened in Canberra the other week. So you're an interesting person to talk to about that because you know you're on both sides of the saddle. You're a punter, but you're also a bookie. Did you did you sort of see what happened? And I saw the gl- the clips on Twitter. Um, so we're referring I'd, I'd to the parliamentary. I'd like to hear your, like what you think of it. And, yeah, and, and then you can come back, yeah. Because I only watch glimpse of it. Mm. So what we're referring to the parliamentary inquiry into online wagering that happened a couple of weeks back and it kind of got it, it got hijacked by the whole um, concept of bookies not really being fair. Um, and so my thoughts on it are that it was a remarkable day for punters. Um, it's been a long time coming. It was fantastic that the whole issue reached... Parliament, yeah, 
I thought that the bookies were not expecting it at all. Mm. And I think that the first Tabcorp handled okay, Ladbrokes handled okay. And I think my, my opinion that's based purely on what I think in terms of Barney Evans and the way he handled it was that he thought to himself, I know how to handle this situation. And he harked back to a lot of language that they use in the UK around – because in the UK, like, punters have zero rights. There's no minimum bet limits. It's basically mm. like they choose who can bet and who can't. And they have a lot of messaging and language that they use to you know, spin that whole argument to their favour. And I think that he tried to drag a lot of those kind of comments up and I think that it backfired on him and it sort of got out of control from him. We you know, saw that five-minute exchange, which was – it was vindication for a lot of punters, especially like myself, you know. And, like, I like sports bet and I'd, I'd love to have Barney Evans next to me doing a podcast now. Like, I'd love to have a robust, respectful conversation with him. I respect him. I respect sports bet. I know quite a lot of people who are quite senior at sports bet and chat with them all the time, you know. Um, but I'm quite passionate about the game being fairer for punters and I think we're in a great position to get that because I think time's up for us not to have – a national bookmakers betting obligation, which would be, which is the same as it's, I've just renamed the national bookies betting obligation because I think that's a better term for it. I think minimum bet limits is confusing. That's my take on it all. I'm Across all, like every product, everything. And so, I, you know, it's obviously going to affect you. And like there's an ice hockey game playing out there. So if you put an ice hockey match up, you've got to bet me to win. I might, if it was up to me to make the rules, I'd say you've got to bet me to win at least $500. As soon as you put it up, mm. if I want to bet to win $500, you've got to put it up. I, I would like, a hundred percent agree with that, but I think it's really relevant to the size of the bookie, because like one of the reasons why it's better than ever for you guys now, and if I was punting, is that there's a there's a handful of people who are betting at every joint. You know, there's more than enough joints to bet racing. Yeah. So that co- competition is good for the punter. So, but for me to have to hold. 500 on the on the hockey mm. what should someone who's turning over 200 times what i'm turning over have to hold on the hockey a thousand or something because it's yeah. sort of got to be yeah it's i mean you, you, like i would say okay well if it's if sports bet have to hold 500 dollars on a hockey game then i would think that you guys would have to hold say 250 and the reason i still think you should have to hold 250 is because you're essentially copying when the market comes up like you don't you can't price an ice, ice hockey match yeah but sports bet who have you know pay millions of dollars a year to get pricing service and yeah. stuff, they put it up or whoever puts it up and then you guys copy them and that. So I what think I, I, what you said is is key. As soon as anyone goes up a price, mm. they should take a bet. Yeah. I 100% agree. Yeah. And then it's the power of the bookmaker. Like the punter actually has a lot of power. But if I don't want to take bets on the hockey, say, I'll go up 20 minutes before the hockey starts. Yeah, exactly. And all the damage yeah. has been done and my prices yeah. are really efficient. Yeah, yes. Whereas yeah. if I'm a massive joint and I don't care about the, the, what I'm going to dribble or leak yeah. on hockey, I go up earlier. Yes. Yeah. That's how it should work. Yeah. And that and I, I, I don't know really see why there's much pushback from the bookies against it in saying that like it's only, it's only just become part of like the national wagering conversation now because the federal government are looking at it. And what's been so frustrating for the last 10 years is that there's been so much talk about it but no one's in a position to do anything about it. Yeah. The only people who can do anything about it is the federal government. Like today I just heard that they're – the communications minister announced that credit cards are going to be gam- banned from gambling. Have you heard that? No. So that just shows how quickly and decisively the government can act if they want to. There's massive like emphasis on that that t- that side of the game. Like it's a 
a lot of internally that's what you're dealing with and, and that's where the conversations are going with the people who license you and mm. regulate you um well, it's 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 key I, I i thought with the back to the um national the bookies the, betting obligation thing yeah i thought a lot of that con- a bit of that conversation got drowned though in people talking about bonus bets yeah yeah, and I, I think, and I think that's a, different it's things. like a disease yeah. that, that is is going to infect and has infected the industry. Yeah, and I rec- I'm concerned of the consequences long term because there's people who think they bet, and really they're just rorting. Like it's like if you and I open up a cafe, and if you buy coffee, you get one coffee mm. free because we're trying to get business. Mm. I thought you can't do that forever. Yeah, yeah, they're not they're not acting in the. Industry. I get like abused sometimes by like nonnies on Twitter. He'll go like, oh, this coward's knocked me back for promos. Mm. Like, mm. To my point of view, like, I couldn't care less. Yeah, like, you got to be like that. Yeah, like, You can still bet the minimum bet laws, mate. Yeah, yeah. No, I look, <laughs> like, like if it was up to me, like I personally, I'm not fighting the fight for people who are doing the promo thing. But I think that if we're going to have promos, everyone should be have access to them. But I'm fine that I don't get them. Like I've been getting like 10 years ago, I've got my first email saying you don't get promos. I'm mm. like, whatever, don't care. But, and that's what was a bit frustrating when um, Peter Murphy, the politician who's now everyone's hero, she kept pushing down the thing saying, do you ban people if they're arbitraging promos? And it was like, I mean, yeah, that's a side issue. Yeah, that's, that's what I was yeah. trying to say then. The, the point got lost a bit from what you're fighting for and been pushing for for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if, if, if we had to bet everyone promos, yeah. you'd be betting into 140% markets. Yeah, well, it's, that's... The, people talk the, about 120% all the time. It used to be this. It, it, I, I might be holding... 20k on the race that just went, 5k that's not real money maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's that's, people don't understand this that that mm. has changed dramatically, and it, and if we will let everyone bet promos, then the market percent like it's like, it's kind of when they change the rules in, in footy, mm. the coaches will adapt. You just be getting worse percentages. Mm. Would you be happy if there's no promos at all? I'd love it. Yeah, I'd personally like it, but because I think it. But it's great for punters and you know. I, you, I like you the one-off markets. Sort of we do some one-off markets, so we'll do like. Um, you know, like Nico Hines versus Chad Townsend or whatever, something like last night, like a little unique market that's like an interesting market. Yeah. But these like mythical markets that train bad behaviours that aren't sustainable and if, and if they did go, you know what, if you're not going to give bonus best to everyone or promos, we're going to mm. cut them, yeah. the racing industry will lose a big chunk of yeah. their turnover from people who aren't able to then keep turning over money sustainably. Mm. I think the only people who want bonus bets to continue is the race clubs not the race clubs but the principal racing authorities because you pay because I like yeah if you said to all the big joints there's no more promos I think and, and no one else could do it they'd be like you know the big joints would be like okay well that's fine if no one else can do it it sort of suits us because it it's, suit it's them because they've got their market share right? yeah I think the people who don't want it is the um the principal racing authorities because it seems that turnover has gone up a lot over the last five years or whatnot but it seems a lot of it is on the back of the bonus well, and bet. a lot of us it because it's not real money yeah but, but you, the, but you the pay bookies, turnover yeah. tax on it, right? Mm. But it's not real money. So here's a question for you. you how long has Baggy Bet been oh. going? 18 months it's or something? It's embarrassing. Nah. August last year maybe? Really? Is it not Ten even months? a year? Wow. And is it harder about where you thought it would be or easier than you thought? It's more boring than I thought it would be. Yeah. As about what I thought it would be like toughness wise um it was it, it was so exciting at the start yeah like because you got to remember i i am 
essentially a punter. Yeah. So like you imagine if you turn on a thing and it's your money that they're trying to get you for. And like, I watched Sky 1 and Sky 2 from 8am till midnight for three weks straight. Wow. <laughs> like yeah, every, invest fucking, in every race, yeah. It was fucking on, man. Like, <laughs> well, this bloke's cause it's gone off at this trot or you know, whatever it was. It was yeah. like the biggest adrenaline rush of all time. Because the turnover was really thick, was it? A lot of turnover. Yeah, well, it was, it was like my first day as a bookie. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you, and you weren't sure like uh, how, how much turnover, uh, how... Are we gonna, is anyone going to have a bet today when you start? Yeah. You know, it's the same yeah. as anything you did in life. Like if you started a shop or whatever. Yeah. And all of a sudden it just starts coming. Yeah. But then you get used to it and, um, yeah, it gets a little bit boring because I, I would love to have more opinion all the time, but it largely doesn't move where my hold would be. So like, what... One thing I would really like to do at the moment is, is like build on course. Because mm. it is a sense, you, there's all sorts of bookmaking and there's a lot of punting mm. bookmaking. That'd be I more punting yeah. bookmaking. So yeah. you imagine like you and me go stand at Rose Hill tomorrow yeah. and there's, there's like six horses we're happy to sort of lay the guts out of through the 10 race card. Mm. There's four horses we want to get, we want to be with. Like there's the excitement of that mm. going, oh, fuck, they got us here. We've got to get, get rid of that. Mm. Well, we're happy to tell mm. them. That's what I would like because mm. that's where I come from. I, I, when I was punting full-time, it was kind of like I was a, like I was a professional, like, but I was like I was a sports person. Like I performed, I performed on Wednesday, maybe Friday night and Saturday mm-hmm. and that was it. Yep. And I prepared for Wednesday, I prepared for Saturday, I reviewed what I did and learnt from my mistakes and did the same all the time. Yeah. Whereas at like baggy bet, just... Yeah. It's a poker machine kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, for want of a better term. And so you're part of the bet makers machine. Yep. Um, what's that like? Good. Yeah. Good people, like really good people in there. Um, very, very grateful for like the help and the... Like, I, I wouldn't have got where I am without them. Yep. And like whatever happens, happens. But, you know, I, I'm in a... I'm in a like sort of a, a positive EV spot right now to mm. have a better life than I was going to have. Mm. And they're a big part of it. Yeah, um, because they give you access to the market so much quick, quicker than if you don't have them really. Like if you don't go with – if You you know, you, you need someone. You are, yeah, something like – you know, well, the tech, text you got to get tech. Texting – like if you go and like um, – Generation Web, like Hamish Davidson's run, I, I hear that if you, you call up Hamish Davidson and say, oh, I want to become a bookie, build me a website, like he says, yeah, no worries, I'll, I can probably get it to you in 18 months or two years from now. Like, you know. Um, yeah. But it's not just the tech. Like, look, <laughs> we want to bet on the hockey. Mm. Like, what, you think I'm going to price a hockey or pay someone and yeah. make money on the hockey? Yeah, no, you got to, yeah. Like, yeah. If you log on to Baggy Bet, whenever you're watching this, you can bet on just about anything. Mm. The only thing I've got a real opinion on is rugby league, AFL, and horse racing. Mm. Greyhounds, trots, no idea. Yeah. You know? So where's Baggy Bet going? Um, is it... Wherever the gods decide. Are you, are you going to try and grow it? Like, do you think to yourself you'd like to go to that sort of mid-tier, like your, your blue bets, your uni bets, those kind I, of ones? I think that the... Content market saturated, that the book mark, the bookmaking market saturated, and I'm just gonna sort of just float wherever the currents take me 
yep. in the time being and just sort of wait and see when the next opportunity comes mm-hmm. to either partner with a, a content operation, find a big affiliate, like a way to find accounts. Mm-hmm. I think affiliates is one of the things that will end up coming out of the um, – Yeah. I think that'll be one of yeah. the things that goes. I think I, I don't which know. Are, this, which but again I think is double. You know, Dabble, which has obviously done incredibly well. Yeah. Like I think they were an overnight success after spending 10 years building together a great affiliate list. Yeah. Once again, I don't know that. I just hear that. And I've it sort of makes, makes sense that, you know, they've been very successful very quickly. Allegedly, well done yeah. to them. But it seems as though that they had a great client base already to go that they could then market to, which they had a great product. You know, it was the first like good social player mm. that came into the market. And they're obviously, you know, cross that chasm to be one of the top bookies, which is incredibly yeah. hard to do. Database build building a database is 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 key, but like more and more people doing it, um, and it, it is it, w- it would be a risk to invest heavily in like accounts because it's super hard to compete with the promos. Like it was almost pointless doing promos for Tab in spring because it was just better. Yeah, yeah, right. So like if if we run Tab. In hindsight, the decision was we're going to run no promos and no marketing. We're just going to maintain our app, which is really good, yeah. and look after our clients we've got really well. Yeah. And we're going to spend more money on our clients we've got in generosities and offer zero promos and market nothing. Yeah. In hindsight, that would have been a better play for them, I'd bet. For better? For tab or sports yeah. bet. Yep. Because they're trying sure. to compete with, better, with yeah. ridiculous promos that aren't sustainable. Yeah. But it seems like better are sort of back in their box a bit. They've been pretty quiet. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. I would sort of pivot around. Yeah, like yeah. read the read the play and go. Yes. Now's a good time to go here and do that. And now's a good time to do that. Yeah. And where we're at, we're so small. Like we are tiny compared to everything else. Um, there's obviously a few, fair few at our size, but yes. tiny lot, compared yeah. to the big ones. Yeah. Um, that right now, I'm just going to sort of see where we land. Same with the bloodstock business. We've bought. I had a good crack at buying yearlings last year. Not a massive crack, but it, like. Enough of a crack that I'm comfortable that it'll show if I've got any ability or not. Yeah, yeah. You know? So over this time, say by January, I'll have either had some success, we'll have either had some success or yeah. not. I did a podcast with John Massara last week. You should watch it if you haven't. JM. Yeah. I call him JM because I bought two horses off him. There you go. It's good. It's a great podcast. That's one of the greatest, like, for the, the rorters out there, go to a uh, yearling sale or any type of sale, but particularly yearling sales, the Arafield tent and the other big breeding tents. It's free food, free drink, <laughs> it's coffees, like well-made coffees, beers, whatever you want. Yeah. It's a really good rort. Yeah. And then they make you buy horses. They try to worked on you. you. <laughs> no, they tried to. I, I bought two. Um, what, did, what, what were they? What were they breeding? Autumn Sun Philly. Yeah. And uh, Maurice Colton, I think now Gelding. Lovely. Yeah. So just yeah. live in hope. Yeah. Um, and just talk a bit about you, the, the way you do the form. How did you learn to do the form? Did you teach yourself? Or? Um, I've been on a bit of a sort of journey, like um, forced journey. So I did no form really. I just looked at replays early, really early on when I was just like sort of a hobbyist. Yeah. Uh, when I went to Melbourne, I got offered to do Mounting Yard Mail via the rant. Yeah. But I hadn't had any like... I got didn't get taught anything, so I just winged it, yeah. And kind of like I, at the like I just started well, mm. and that's all I did. So I analysed the horses as they walked into the yard, and as you would know, the 
if you genuinely spend time on track and are consistently there, the real, like, the guys who win enough to sustain going every single week, the older veterans, they start to take a shining to you because mm-hmm. you're young and you're doing the same thing they did. Mm. And the the little pearls I picked up on track in Melbourne, really, really valuable. Mm. And um, I was just good at it, mm. you know. Look, without sounding like a wanker, like I was a no. shit carpenter, yeah. but I was just good at reading horses. Yeah. I treat it like like just watching people, footy players. He looks athletic, you know. Mm-hmm. He looks like a slug, you know. And you build a profile on trainers, uh, on jockeys, strappers, all these little factors. I was learning and watching, and and I got really good at it. And that's how I I didn't do much form at all. Mm. I would look at it a little bit, and I could review it. I always reviewed, so I reviewed. Uh, I don't know where I picked it up from, but I always was really thorough in my reviewing of my betting. Mm. So I'd have every single be- – we had an Excel, okay, uh, Excel sort of sheet where I marked the factors from the yard of every horse mm-hmm. and I priced them. Mm-hmm. But then at the like I, we could collate all that data and then I could collate all the bets I had and it would be, you know, sand down lakeside, 1,200 metres, soft six, rail out five, horses this price in the market this stage of prep and i started to build a profile of like sand down like sand down i love sand down mm. but I, like why do i like self-interest because mm. i won there mm. you know i struggled at it mooney valley and caulfield i won a lot at flemington i don't know why but i did big open but the track, data yeah. told me i did my mm. betting data right mm. so i would just i struggled really struggled in benchmark 64s Really good in maidens, mm-hmm. good in group races. I don't know why, mm. but I was. So I would then, if I found a horse in a maiden, I would have the, the suggested units that I've, like the sheet would tell you how much to have on, I'd double them. And if it was a benchmark 64, I'd have a third of it on. Mm-hmm. Little mm. bits like that to sustain me mm-hmm. and really worked hard on my own data of my own brain. Mm. But then when COVID happened, I couldn't go to the races anymore. Mm. That was that was the most anxiety and sleepless nights I ever mm. had, because I was in like a zone. Like I was, mm. I was working. So you're making good money, yeah. Yeah, like no stress. I was working two or three days a week, like just living my best life. Yeah, you know, and then it all stopped, and I just had a kid. Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, fucking hell. Yeah, <laughs> what am I gonna do? And there was COVID too, so I probably couldn't have even gone back on the tools if I had to. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then Shane Baker and Heath Kelly, particularly at punting form, who I'd started, I started using it, but not relying on it, just looking at it, sort of thing. Uh, they really like showed me things quick, and yeah. I just worked like real yeah, big weeks. Smart fellas. Yeah, yeah, I worked really hard um, at understanding it and using it, and then we've. So now that that's how I do form. So we. I heavily rely on punting form. I, I, I don't use the raw website so much at a, as a start as someone at home will. Um, we we suck the bits of data. We like So Peter, who runs does the mounting yard in Perth, but he runs the mailbag now, Peter Antonis. Mm-hmm. He's a founding sort of partner in the business. Um, and a guy called Josh, we built this Excel sheet where it sucks the same yard philosophy but it just sucks out the punting form numbers we I want and Peter wants and you can sort of tinker it to your version or my version of. And um, a lot of that's automated at the very start. 
So this is how I do form now. Yeah. That'll just get spat out to you when it's ready. Oh, the first thing I do is I map every race at a meeting. So I'm only doing form for uh, Wednesday, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, maybe Sunday in mm. Victoria. Mm. And I'm using the same sheet, but I get other people's prices in Sydney and I overlay the prices to keep up as a bookmaker. Because mm. I've got no real interest in it other than that. Mm. But so I'll map every race in Melbourne uh, at a meeting. Then I'll go and start to work on the sheets and there might be bits of data, as you would know, that it's like, well, that's a bit ridiculous or mm-hmm. and adjust that and then um, input the market. So there's a raw price in my pricing and a, and a rated price. The rated price sucks out, the mar- it's got the market in it, mm. which I think there's probably differing opinions on that. I, I reckon the, I in- have it, the yeah. intelligence of the, the market's very, very valuable. Yeah, well, I think that the biggest syndicates in the world all the biggest – part of their pricing is the public is the well public that makes market. me feel safe huh? yeah That's no I, I really yeah. think it is i don't think there's any of those big syndicates which make hundreds of millions mm. the last thing that goes into their form is the public price yeah so then um then i go back to the punning form website and i just look through like what right we, we, like so it'll spit out the we're half keen on three horses in this race and might lay these three i'll focus heavily on them where are they going to be in the run because i'm big on bias I hate even tracks. They're not mm. very common, but it's hard to win on. Mm. Um, and then I'll, 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 mark, I'll punish them and reward them for their map. And then I'll go back and look at the ones that might be bets. So like what race, the last two races that's coming out of, you know, is it, w- there been winners out of that? And also with your punting form or whatever ratings you're using, the horse might run, might run sixth of eighth, but it improved seven lengths. So it's a sneaky good run. They're the best ones because mm. the market's missing that. Um, shit like that, jockey switches, um, like sort of uh, barrier switches, um, all that sort of stuff. And mm. I just hone that, just skim that through. So I'd, I'd go, I'd do that on a, on a th- Tuesday for a Wednesday. Then I'd do scratchings on a Wednesday morning and I'll have that all done for a Saturday, probably on a Thursday morning. Mm. And I have a... Lindsay Bowles, who's, uh, he was an intern, he now works with us. Uh, he does all the trials and all the little like stewards reports and held up last starts and just all bits and pieces that you just keep adding into the sheet that makes a 100% market. Mm. Yeah. He's a jet, little yeah. Lindsay, he'll be watching. <laughs> he's a guru. Awesome. And so... I don't even watch a trial anymore, which is good. It, well, you probably don't do Melbourne, but you... Like I used to get car sick when I was a kid and fucking hell, you go close to it watching them. Yeah. Some of them made a pack of them. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It, like what? how much money would that business be turning over in Victoria and they can't do jump outs properly? Yeah. They still, yeah, so yeah, that, that, the, the vision's still terrible, is it? Well, there, there isn't any. A lot of time I don't there. even know anymore. Yeah. I only watch one if he says we should try and buy this or something. Mm. And you're an emotional person. You, I'm yeah. sure that you would have found this week very tough. Did you know Dean Holland at all? Um. No, no, didn't know him at all. Um, but you could tell by the way that you could tell by the way when he won on In Secret, the he way he was received yeah. that the right sort of blokes would be tipping him strong if you asked about him. Yeah, couldn't you? Absolutely. That yeah, like just the sentiment around him wasn't yeah. was it was, like, it was the the highlight of the day that the Newmarket day was his the way he spoke. Mm. You know, obviously, and the way he rode. Mm. Like, he gave that thing a peach. 
I don't know about you, but I love my horses to be like there to be beat at 100, mm. not not getting there. Mm. Yeah. I love it when they get left hanging if you're on. Yeah. She went like a train that day, didn't she? Yeah. Um, and yet it's been incredible to watch the industry I think it's just the, rally. Like it's part of their job, I guess, which sucks. But the hardest part for me and probably for you is like when four kids under five, oh, fucking hell. Yeah, like you just – how do you – yeah, like how do you tell the kids that? You know, like how do you – the consequences of their yeah. like lives now sucks. It's yeah. that 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 affected me the most. Yeah, and same. Yeah, and when I, yeah, because I didn't. I, I mean, obviously, I'd heard of him, and I didn't really. I mean, I, if you'd said to me he's thirty, forty, and he's got kids, I go sure. But then when I saw someone come up saying he's got four kids, he just you know, and I didn't even know they're under five. I, I knew they'd have to be all young, but I didn't realize they're under five. Yeah, I think that's what gets lost sometimes. Like. I criticise riders a lot. Mm. I, I praise them a lot too. But I'm criticising a ride or, mm. or, or a tactic, not the person. Mm. And, and you just can't, like, if you have a presence on social media or you're in a position of power, you can't allow the trolling of the character, which I, I see less and less of. Obviously, also though, because I mute. Yeah. On big mute and block yeah. man on Twitter. Like if it shits me. I've, I've, I'm just starting to get a bit, cop a bit of heat now. I've been pretty much untouched for a long time. But I've got a few people coming at me now. Well, you're the same. Sorry? So you're a saint. So I'm yeah, but, saint. Yeah, I'm no. the devil. Yeah. So like if, affect, if I, if I it, say like, oh, it's got to carry, it's got to carry Jay Carr though. That would just kind of abuse me. Yeah. I'm not bagging her as a, like I think we still need to have commentary on, on our slot. They're our superstars. They're our, the only thing that's consistent in racing narrative and content is the jockey and the trainer. Mm. The great horses don't even – they're not even here for three years. Mm. So you need to be able to critique them and praise them. Mm. You can't just be just praise. But um, The shit that you cop on social media, does it affect you or do you – Not at all. Yeah. It's like just... I couldn't care less. I've never copped anything directly in person. Yeah. Um, and if I did, I'd probably handle that. Well, too, I think. Mm. Um, Everything's different when you're in person, too. I just a lot of, most ninety five percent of the people who are th- slinging shit on Twitter wouldn't be slinging shit in public. Yeah, on and like, like ne- in, face to face in all different scenarios. But like, I get I cop shit now because I've got to have an opinion to like stand out, do my job. Mm. I don't think many of them bet. And yeah, I. Yeah. Sometimes if I'm in a good mood, I sort of sympathise with them in a sick way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how yeah. bad are you going? And this is what you want to try and do. Yeah. But I just mute and block and move on pretty yeah. quickly. But I, I will engage with people on social media. I largely just would just post and ghost sort of thing. I'll engage with anyone. But as soon as they come across as a bit of a tool... Because you're too... I mean, I, the thing with me is I... I get a lot of DMs. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because my thing is I'm so fucking busy and just in the last few weeks a few people having to go at me and like I because like, I, I want to talk to people about who have got different opinions to me but when their opinion is so idiotic I'm just like I, like, I don't need to do this. Like I just move on. Well, so you like, so I, I don't like to ignore anyone on social media but if they're just saying something that's like blatantly idiotic which happens I was there. Very, I've been rarely. there. Yeah, I just, just like. Move, I just, my advice would just be just like what are you getting out of that? Nothing but no, nothing. sometimes pain. Yeah, and just it and just anxiety. Right, and that's the thing with me. Like it riles me up, and I'm like, I got so much going on in my life. I'm like, 
I'm getting riled up about someone I don't even know who won't even put their name and, to it. And in your position, if you engage with someone on Twitter and try and articulate why they're wrong respectfully and they don't connect it and or then they come back with like half abuse and like tone and you've had a shit day yeah, and wanna, six yeah. beers, you want to fucking let rip and yeah. you can't do that now. No, no. I can't do that. So Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. There's no upside. I'm, I'm aware of that too. Yeah. Look, life, everything in life is a bet, right? In my opinion. Says, where's the upside in that? Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah. If the upside's greater than the downside and you want to take the risk, do it. Yeah. yeah. I, I engage still like I'll, I'll, I'll look through my DMs, you know, and just answer anyone who's got a question or whatever it is. I'll, I'll engage if they comment and it's like polite and interesting. But if it's not like people like hassle me for turning off their bonus bets and stuff, look, I couldn't care less. Yeah. What's the point? Too much else going on. Yeah. Well, if I had nothing going on, I still wouldn't want to engage with that. Yeah. Like when you engage with, with someone who you thought at the start, this guy's probably a bit of a fuckwit. How, what, what percentage time has that turned into a good experience? Yeah, it doesn't really. I think that he, I, I think face-to-face contact makes a big difference. 100%. I think if you meet people in person, everything's different. It's very rare that... People are really abrasive toward it, towards each other. That happens when a bit. Meeting. Like you go to a Betfair event or something, and then they'll they'll have a few drinks and they come up and go, "Look, I said something to you on Twitter yeah. once, and I'm really sorry about it." Yeah. And you, I'll be pissed as well. And I, <laughs> I don't know, like talking about, don't stress. Yeah. It's nice to meet you. Yeah. You know, and they're they're often the most interesting ones. Yeah. Just frustrated, I guess. The great game. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, you got to fly back to see your little ones. Yeah. I've got to go and edit the Saturday set. So, um, got anything good tomorrow? I don't know. I'm so busy. I haven't even really looked. The other boys had a good look, threw some tips my way. But I've got to go and watch the replay of the, the video to find out if there's anything good. So, I'll be doing the same. I'll be doing it at the airport. Very good. All right, mate. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. All the best.